1: Hey everyone, this is Stefan from ProjectLifeMastery.com, and today I'm super excited to introduce you guys to a good friend of mine, Eli Wild. Eli is the top salesperson for Tony Robbins, uh, someone I've known now for a number of years. He's also a master of influence, and that's what we're going to talk about today, is how you can use influence and develop the skill of it to be able to change yourself, to influence yourself, to change your life, to master your state, your emotions, but also as a way to make more money or to be able to influence the people in your life or be able to share your message, make a greater impact. And uh, we're going to talk about a lot today. So, Eli, I want to thank you for taking the time
2: for Mm -hmm. this. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Uh, so I'm
1: I'm really excited for this. Uh, Do you mind sharing with people a little bit about yourself, your story, how you got into self-development and the journey that you've been on to get to the point where you're at today?
2: You know, uh, just thinking of it, you know, as you're mentioning this, I feel like my journey began, you know, as, as a young boy, I was, you know, grew up in a kind of a, a tough household and I was really quiet, didn't start speaking to like four or five, I was like so shut down and then even in, through high school, I was voted the quietest person in school. Oh, wow. um, I make up for that now though, I don't, yeah. I don't shut up I was and I speak for a living, yeah. you know. But yeah, it's like I, I developed these powers of observation and I think some of the, the trauma that I experienced as a boy, you know, some of the, the negative experiences made me kind of fear-based where I was in my head a lot, but my powers of observation where i feel like like heightened like i i feel like we all have people that especially go through challenging times um, even actors that i've that i've coached here in los angeles some of them were were gay or they had weird stuff happening and so they had almost this outside persona and they were like really able to create these powers of imagination these internal references of psychology that helped them deal with the outside world and so one of these elements that i started to master back then was what Tony would call uh, a heightened sensory acuity, mm-hmm. acute sensitivity. So sometimes it's fear-based, where somebody, if we think, think somebody's dangerous, and we hear their voice or they're big, and we start to be almost hypersensitive to these these aspects of somebody's tonality. Um, somebody might say they're fine, but you can tell they're not. Yeah. Um, and so a heightened sensitivity, and I lived so much of my life in my head, mm-hmm. where I was processing so much information. And I, I found that even in my my own judgment of myself, I was very self conscious which means that we 're conscious of ourself, and that 's a pattern and I found that I was ineffective at feeling the way that I wanted to be or coming across i didn 't have a, a bigger vision for my life at that time and then once I did learn some of these self development tools, I became less conscious but conscious of, conscious of myself, I should say, but I became more conscious of what 's here, and I took those powers of observation into my communication and One of the phrases I go back to over and over again, that's not just a Tony phrase, but kind of an NLP or self-development based phrase is the quality of our life comes down to the quality of our communication, how we communicate with others, but also with ourselves. And so, you know, as a young boy, I had these heightened sense of, uh, you know, internal stimuli that caused me a lot of stress and I didn't know how to channel it. And then through self-development, I found that I could use that superpower to not only help others, but help myself. You know, in communication, help myself communicating with girls or people or get jobs or get myself to the front of a list or, you know, on a billboard in Times Square where I didn't have any experience, but I was able to use language patterns and my own internal state to influence an environment, a company, an individual to, to make, to become more resourceful. Um, first me being, being more resourceful and then creating resources outside of myself directed at an outcome. So these, these processes that I started to layer, um, as as a young boy helped me get out of trouble um and i i saw this as we say that necessity is the mother of invention and i found that there was things that you know situations i was in getting in trouble like how do i get myself out using the power of my own two lips when i didn't have any other resources right. like there's something has got to happen here and the most successful people in the world you know they're able to affect somebody else's state first their own then others, and you think about even a Michael Jordan or an actor, or even a Tony Robbins on stage, he's affecting somebody's state. When, you know, even a product like Coca-Cola, they anchor certain, they put it in movies with product placement, and then they show the Apple computer or the, the Coke. And so they're anchoring people to that product. And so the most successful products or services or people, entertainers even, they affect people's state. And so I needed to be able to affect my own state and others to become more effective. And, of course, Tony was a huge mentor in that. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, kind of how I started to understand this. Yeah. And I was really just curious. And that's, that's something that even helps me to this day. Mm-hmm. You know, we all become curious sometimes. But, you know, having that active curiosity with people, because sometimes you recognize patterns in people, and you can be like, oh, that person's that way, and discount them. But if you maintain curiosity, like even in uh, that great book, How to Win Friends and Influence People... Yeah. You know, it's not just about being interesting, it's about being interested. And so being authentically curious. And as a boy, even even now, I'm authentically curious, like, why do people do what they do? You know, living here in Los Angeles, people have all the money and all the love and all the fame, but then do crazy things. And some people, you know, like, run into, during 9-11, they run into a burning building to grab people, like, why do people do what they do? What are these internal drives? And when you see somebody's results in life, in their bank account, in their body, in their relationship, you think like these are the results they've produced with the resources that they've had access to. And getting really curious, like what creates their behavior, what creates the results, getting curious and helping them become more resourceful, not just accessing the resources of maybe money or time, but the internal resources of emotion. Because the history of the world is the history of emotion. People start wars, people get married, they get divorced, something's driving driving that bus and to understand the driving forces in human beings Mm -hmm. really is what uh, is is the pathway to everything. And so if you can, as they say in in sales trainers, they say that if you can clearly articulate somebody's problems to them, and we've all got challenges or problems. If you've got a $10 million business, you want to get to a hundred million. So there's always this opportunity for change. And if you can understand somebody's challenge or problem and articulate that back to them better than they can explain it to themselves. Mm -hmm. And you say, well, what you're really saying is this, and you articulate it, articulate it to them, all that mess back to them better than they can explain it to themselves. When you can do that, people unconsciously give you permission and the power to solve their problem. And so when you com- clearly communicate what's going on for them, they're like, man, this guy gets me. For sure. And they will give you, they, they become your clients, or they say, hey, can you help me with this? And you're like, yeah. And here's what it would be. And so you get in the habit of reading people's patterns. And that's, I think... Tony's best skill, Um, and he's and he said that, and he said it's the skill of all masters, is pattern recognition. Mm -hmm. If you're an accountant, you look at all these uh, financial forms, and then you see that one, the numbers are just off. And once you've had twenty years as an accountant, eventually you can just look at it and be like, I can just feel something's off there, because the unconscious mind and the patterns of recognition are are so attuned, so that sensory acuity is so fine, so so refined after years of development. That you can hear it in somebody's tone or see something's off, and and in the sales context, you can see what's off in yourself, get yourself back in alignment and congruent, and then influence a company, or you know get them get the people that are the janitors or the salespeople aligned with the mission of the company, and so something's off, and you can recognize that pattern and then use tools to to shift things back in alignment. So it's always working through those processes. Yeah,
1: it's fascinating because you know a lot of us we have. Patterns, but most people aren't aware of that. They're not aware of the the limiting patterns that they might have that's holding them back every single day, their beliefs, their thoughts, their emotions, Mm -hmm. their behaviors. So what you're saying is having that sensory acuity awareness of that so that you can get yourself back on track or make changes, but also observing the patterns of people that are successful or even their failures so that you can learn from that or be able to influence people to be able to help make an impact or change their life or whatever it might be.
0: Yeah,
2: that is... There's everything, as as you know from NLP, Mm -hmm. studying that, everything is a strategy. And so if somebody says they're depressed or they're sad or whatever, it's like, it's curious, how do do you do that? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, if I wanted to get depressed, what would I have to say to myself or what would I do? And sometimes when we we see things as a strategy, it takes us out of the the realm, it's something I'm doing, not something I am. And the example I always give in my seminars, it's like, say if I had a kid or if you have a kid, I would never say to a kid, like, Johnny, you're bad. I would create this identity because, as you know, the, the identity is the strongest force in a human psyche and to remain consistent with that identity. So I wouldn't say, I wouldn't label a child like, Johnny, you're bad. I would say, Johnny, you're amazing, but this behavior is not like you. You're amazing, but this behavior, this isn't who you are. So we start to separate behavior from identity, and then we can make changes to a behavior and support an empowered, strong identity. And so human beings, adults, salespeople, business people, we're all just big kids. Mm-hmm. And we all fall into patterns of behavior sometimes that make us less resourceful or effective in sales and communication. We could be stressed, could have just eaten that crappy meal, yeah. you know, which changes our physiology. We could be focusing on the past, not really fully present. Um, we might have created a disempowering meaning. These are all strategies. And, you know, it's like being a sales trainer, I often deal With, you know, I go into a company or I deal with a coach or somebody that's selling something online that's selling their mastermind or their course and they've got a script, but communication is only 7% words and it's often the state that the person's in, their own psychology, their patterns of recognition, knowing what's really going on on the other person and being able to control or manipulate that person's feelings, you know, their thoughts and their actions and their feelings, you know, really understanding the targets you want to hit are what are going to lead to the optimal actions you want them to take as opposed to focusing on the action, you're creating a state of curiosity and strategically asking questions that are creating thoughts and feelings in the person that lead to the optimal actions you want them to take. Mm-hmm. So it's always thinking strategically. And when we do that, it also, going back to what I said, I was so self-conscious, conscious of myself, but I needed to be conscious of what's there. And in a, in a sales, you know, doing a video, if I'm focused on how I look and sound and all that, I, my whole world shrinks. And so I'm thinking in terms of uh, the impact, what I want, even these people watching, to think and feel, mm-hmm. and the knowledge I want them to get, and so something I've got to do before every sales presentation or whatever, I've got to make sure that my intent, um, not just my attention, but my intention, is pure. Mm-hmm. To make sure that it's not just I'm not just there to get a sale because yeah. people will feel that, yeah. um, you know, as we say, motive does matter, and we teach a lot of things in self development about self confidence and being self empowered and respecting ourselves and supporting ourselves you know it's all about this self-empowerment and it's great cuz 99% of people don't even get to that full level of self-awareness self-empowerment self-confidence but if we're in a sales context or a relationship of any kind and we're only there for ourselves to be self-confident and self-empowered in our self-income it you know motive does matter and people feel that yeah. and so even if we are showing up for ourselves but if say there's somebody that shows up to work for themselves versus that somebody that's showing up for their family it makes more of you show sure. up cuz you have a bigger vision outside yeah. of yourself but when you show up for your community or humanity, and you see these people like you're wanting to put things out there um, that affects the world in a positive way, and so your intent it makes you bigger, your vision is bigger, so it increases your presence in a especially in front of a room speaking and so it's like you have this vision that's so much bigger than what's happening here and I tell people it's like you know we have to have a vision bigger than ourselves, and when we really have that. It makes this little price that you're charging or whatever it is, mm-hmm. it forces you to be bigger. Yeah. And Step people, sure. and when your vision is bigger, yeah. not out of ego, but from the people, the little vision they have for their business, and you've got this big thing, it creates a vacuum. Before Tony goes on stage, he has a process of basically like filling himself up with energy and then filling up the, the space right around him. And I've seen him do this, and then like literally taking that energy and then like. Trying to fill up the room with his energy and his voice and his presence, and then taking that, that energy and like feeling it push over the walls in the seminar, like filling the entire room with his energy, like just breathing, like it's almost like breathing in and out with that energy, feeling that energy push over the seminar walls, feeling it evaporate, like completely consume the city, then feeling it consume the state, then the, the country, then the globe. And then literally feeling like his energy, like he is connected to everything, all of humanity as he's about to speak. And he comes out on stage larger than life. And so this process of filling yourself up, you know, connecting with that energy, really putting yourself in a internal state that is bigger than the moment. And then, you know, it's like there's that, that common phrase in self-development about being a bigger person. Like if you have a a level five problem and you're a level five person, it's a big problem. And so problems aren't going to go away. Our only option is to be a bigger person. And now when you're like a level 10,000 person and you've got a level five problem, it's like, it's no big deal. You're so much bigger. And you do that inside of your mind and your psychology with your emotion. Mm -hmm. And it's beyond just language patterns. It's something you got. It's a state that you bring to the moment. It's, you know, it's mindset. It's your physiology. It's your breathing patterns. You know, there's a certain breathing pattern to stress. It's a strategy. There's a breathing pattern to relaxed, you know, a state of excitement you want people to have. You know, and, and of engagement.
1: Yeah. So so, you know, a lot of people they think about influence or sales and they uh-huh. have a negative connotation towards uh-huh. them, you know, because maybe you've had an experience where someone tried to sell you something, a car salesman uh-huh. or online, uh-huh. and I think you know, it, it gets that negative rep because a lot of people have the negative intention. Uh-huh. Or they're more just about themselves, they're trying to take uh-huh. rather than trying to serve you and, and and make a difference or make an impact. What's your mindset around that? You know, what's you know, uh-huh. how do you see influence you know, to influence someone's emotions or to be able to get them to take action or mm-hmm. to change their life or to buy your product or service. What's your, what's your mindset? You mentioned having that larger vision, that higher consciousness, oh. but,
2: well, I, I really think selling is serving mm-hmm. and it's great for us to learn, you know, in metaphor, you know, it's like we talk about the, the symbol of the swastika versus Nazi or, you know, the symbol of the cross versus Christianity. We think in symbols. And so I, I have two internal metaphors that I live into in my communication. Um, one is the bridge, and so everything that will come into your life, like you know, whether it's your relationship or your friendships, everything that you have in your life will come from a communication with another human being. You know, it's like where it's going to get you. I mean, you can sit at home and tech and all that stuff and create stuff, but you're even never going to write copy. Even then, that's going to communicate with a human being where they buy something. Everything, everything is communication, and so communication with yourself and others. And so I know, like I, I see myself as. Like I think of the analogy oftentimes as uh, like the, the Golden Gate Bridge and being a strong bridge versus a weak bridge. So a weak bridge, like let's imagine there's a bridge, there's a piece of land here and a piece of land here and then a bridge going over and connecting it. And so this is a weak bridge because of this. So it's needy in the sense that it's dependent on if this, there's an earthquake here and this piece of land falls away, the bridge falls. Or if something happens here. And so our service is literally like this conversation is the vehicle that can take somebody from here to here. So I'm clear about where they are and I know that this conversation can take them over here. But, you know, just like with this bridge, like the Golden Gate, you have to pay a toll. You have to pay a toll to cross that bridge because we got to support the bridge. And they paint that thing every year nonstop. They're painting that that pretty orange color. And so they got to pay a toll to, you know, because they wouldn't be able to do it. Without that bridge, they'd have to go all the way around, like a two and a half hour drive. So for them to pay a couple bucks to cross this bridge where I can save somebody 10 years of their time by paying this toll to cross there, I can take them where they want, but they got to pay the toll or they could, they could swim in the shark infested waters or something like that, you know, and they could die. It's just paying the toll for the bridge. I can take you there. But the difference between a weak bridge and a strong bridge, like a weak bridge is connected. So it's connected, but it's also dependent. And so when I communicate with somebody, I'm, I'm connected. And I remember one of my mentors did this one time. It's like, you know, I was, I'm a very intense person. I'm very like passionate. And so I was like, this in my communication, like, you know, like this. And if I didn't get what I want, I was like, you know, connecting like this, mm-hmm. or I became like, I disconnected. Like, I don't, I don't care, you know, but it's different difference between like this or this where you're disconnected. Like some people, you know, it's like, they're like, I don't give a fuck, you know, kind of thing. Like there's like, whatever, you know, and some people do that and they tune out. And some people are like over, like you're all passionate, hungry. Mm-hmm. It's important to be hungry in your preparation hungry in how you train. But when you actually communicate with somebody in a sales context, you wanna be unattached. Mm -hmm. You wanna be independent, just like the Golden Gate Bridge. So the Golden Gate Bridge, it's connected like this. It's not like grabbing on, it's connected and it's connected to both ends. Connected to what somebody wants and connected to the human being. Mm -hmm. But if San Francisco has another earthquake and falls into the, the ocean, the Golden Gate Bridge is these two pillars, you know, many pillars rooted into the earth. So it stands strong, independent of the land. The Marin County could fall away and San Francisco could fall away. It would still be firmly rooted in the earth all the way deep into the earth underneath the ocean. So it stands strong on its own. And so in this context, I'm the bridge that can take somebody there. But if you pulled away from me and you don't want, like you're just not gonna get to where you wanna go as fast. And yes, you can take the long way. And so I, I think of that in those terms. Um, another analogy I think of in that same setting, I, I, I see the you know. Have you been to San Francisco? Yeah. And so yeah, we were and we were in San Jose. I don't know if you went, went up there, but there's a, you know there's the harbor, and I think of being a lighthouse as opposed to being a tugboat. Mm-hmm. And so a tugboat and a lighthouse have basically the same job, to help big ships into port where they could be safe. But two different very very mechanisms of action. The tugboat goes out there and it's got like it's little business card and you know there's the person networking and marketing and this needy little energy to to hook onto the big boat the big prospect you know they got this I'm trying to hook on and pull the person in or pull in the big boat and you know you can it's you know nothing wrong with being a tugboat but it's kind of exhausting going in and out and latching on and have this intention and you know going after these prospects Uh, and in a day you can only help so many people because you're you know it's exhausting going back in and out and you you contrast that with the, the lighthouse. The lighthouse doesn't just help one or two boats. It helps all the boats. Yeah. And it illuminates a path to safety. But it only has two jobs. One, to stay firmly rooted. To stay in the same spot and illuminate that path. And to shine bright from within. And as we shine bright from within, it becomes very attractive. And people can see us. And so we're very attractive. And so if you go to a networking event or something like that, or even on these calls, you've done your morning routine. You've, you've worked on yourself and your own psychology. So you're in a certain state where you're unattached. You have no need for approval um, or safety or security. So people do things like to meet their needs. And so we often, people live their life one of two ways. Um, out in or in out. Here's what that means. Like somebody um, wants approval. And so... They buy a car or they do something and there's a neediness to their energy. They're seeking approval. And so when you think of somebody that's very successful, like that you really respect or admire, we've heard this cup, this, 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 this analogy of uh, your cup is full. Like my cup is overflowing with abundance, abundance, not just an affirmation, but like yeah. I really, I have so much love in my life. Like all my needs are met. I am mm. whole, perfect and complete. Like I am overflowing with abundance. I'm not like money coming to me, things like that, but I'm overflowing with joy and energy. And so now if somebody, people always say this phrase, like, I don't care what people think of me, but you can tell that's usually not true because of this. Like somebody might say something bad to them and they're like, I don't care. But then somebody says something nice to them. Like, oh my God, that's really nice. And they're like, oh my God, thank you. So it's filling them up. So they're seeing that because, but if you're already overflowing and somebody tries to put more into your overflowing cup, you're like, it doesn't matter if you say I hate you or I love you. It's like, I'm already so full. So I approve of myself, I'm overflowing. And so when you think of somebody very successful, they are, they're all their needs are met, they're full, they're whole, they're perfect, they're complete. And so when they go into a communication, it's inside out. So they approve of themselves inside and that affects their, their communication out here. They're not looking for approval there or validation. Like so if the person says no, or I gotta think about it, I don't think like they don't like me, there's nothing there because I'm, I'm so overflowing. Mm-hmm. And that allows me to show up in this conversation uh, a lot differently. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I'd, I mentioned this to you in, in our lunch when I was doing these talks for Tony. And I, I do my own sales trade now. I left Tony's company in March, but we're, we're still good friends. But I, you know, would get placed in a city like Miami, New York, you know, Los Angeles. And there'd be like 10 of us in an area. And we'd go out and sell his seminars mm-hmm. to these companies. Talking to the same type of prospects, same product at the same price point, And we had a script. We had a process. We were saying the same exact words, selling the same product at the same price point to go see the same person, same everything. But my sales were like two, three, four, five times higher than everybody else saying the same words, Mm. because I was filling myself up. Mm. And I really think that's the difference between me as a sales trainer and other people, where some people focus on the process or the vehicle, where I know that it's usually what separates somebody who's outstanding performer in anything, is their psychology. And as Tonya says it over again, it's 80% psychology, 20% 20% of the mechanics I'm like we should probably work on your psychology yeah, a bit. Yeah. And some people teach sales in a way where they're very controlling and they control the sale and they do become more successful, but it's still fear-based where the most successful people have behavioral flexibility, sensory acuity, they're getting feedback, they know how to assimilate that feedback, they're flexible in their approach. So like a, like a Tony, you know, can, he's so good with people, you know, he's got you like putty in his hands because he understands what's going on. Um, but he's, he's done the pre-work ahead of time.
1: I, I think that's so important with everything what you just what you just said around yeah. that because you know when it comes I used to be a dating coach and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know oftentimes when someone's single they want to meet someone they're coming from that place of neediness scarcity mm-hmm. you know the glass is you know empty and they're trying they're they're putting out an energy mm-hmm. where you know dating and meeting people that's all influence all communication yep. but they're putting out the energy that's. That's like, you know, they're really trying to take from the person yeah. because they want the other person to fill them up. It's that neediness. Yeah. Versus if they're already in that abundant state where they're happy, they're fulfilled, they're on their purpose in life, then and they're overflowing, they have nothing, you know, it's it's just pure adding value and it's not dependent on whether or not they give anything back to you in return. Yeah. And I think the same applies to what you're saying with sales. So if you have a sales you know, job and you're trying to get prospects or customers. Mm-hmm. But, you know, even I, I feel it's the same thing in what I do too, in terms of putting out videos and content and sharing. Yeah. I'm, you know, I feel like I'm doing it from a place not to try to get, but I'm always trying to serve, make a difference. Yeah. But, you know, I think that comes down to everything in your life. Mm-hmm. So, do you feel, you know, that mindset, that psychology, is that something that You develop, you know, every every day, like through rituals or or through meeting your own needs, or what would you say is something that someone can do to help be in that more abundant place?
2: Clear outcomes, Mm -hmm. you know, big visions, hunger, drive, like, and you know, really important to manage your own state and have systems and processes, routines. You know, any goal that we want, any any result is supported by habits and rituals, and so having the right rituals in place, but. The interesting thing about, you know, habits and routines and rituals and, you know, it's like people, you know, get up, you know, have their bulletproof coffee, then they do the Wim Hof breathing and they meditate and they gotta do this. I mean, is they got like an eight hour morning routine eventually. So if we make it so complex for us to get into a state, so people often will do this too, like they create a to-do list and they create the to-do list so they can feel in control of their day. But then they have all this, all these things you know, that they've written, there's all the stuff they need to do, all the routines and all this stuff. And now they see all that they have to do. And now they're, they're stressed, they're overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And so now their to-do list is controlling them where they wanted to get to control. And so we need to know that the targets that we're hitting for ourselves and our clients, it's always a target of emotion, you know, a feeling that we want to create in others or ourselves. And so how do we get there? And sometimes, you know, like I've done seminars in uh, you know i i don't wake up every day you know i've done like over 3000 talks for tony and a bunch of my own and but you don't wake up every day like yay another seminar yay i get to talk to these people sometimes you're back hurtings and you're tired and you haven't slept and you know you you're getting off a flight and so how do we get ourselves outside of ourselves and so it's conditioned responses that really help us so there's certain things that we do but to really take your life or your business to the next level it involves feedback um, so it's like, if you're in sales, listening to your own sales calls or having somebody else listen to it. So feedback, you know, coaching where, you know, it's like somebody is there with you to hold your hand, to, you know, to get any result, anything you need a plan. Like you need to know what you're shooting for. Mm-hmm. You need a proven process, a strategy and some support along the way. Mm-hmm. You know, there's somebody kind of hold our hands in moments. Cause even with a plan and a process on your own, yeah. you get stuck sometimes, yeah. or you're like, you really have no clue that, you know, what sucks. And sometimes I listen to somebody's sales call and they're like, yeah, it's perfect. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, like no
1: way, you know, it's like, we all have blind spots. Yeah. Yeah. We're just inside ourselves that other people are able to notice, but it's not unless we, we have that awareness, which we can have, but also utilizing other people's awareness and their feedback Mm -hmm. and support. I think that's, you know, one of the most valuable
2: things. Yeah. And, you know, from Tony's seven steps, like the conditioning process, you'll have people say, like, he, people feel stuck. They feel like they have a permanent, pervasive problem. Mm-hmm. And he gets them to define the problem in solvable terms, create these new empowering alternatives where not like they feel like they have freedom of choice. And then he says, well, what are you going to do in this environment to so make sure it's ecologically sound? But they feed it back, and then, like, like if I tell somebody to do something, they doubt it. But if they say it, it's true. Right. So they need to have ownership of it. So it's, it's coaching people in a way where you're not just telling. Mm-hmm. You're creating stories where they come to their own conclusions about something, um, because we all do have that need for significance. And if somebody's constantly telling you, like I hear, you know, and, and Tony's so good at this. Um, it's literally, he taught me this one strategy that the day that I got it, we, we did um, fight training with the Navy SEALs in Vegas. We shot machine guns all day. And then we eat ate at a private restaurant underneath the wind with only four tables. And, you know, Steve wins one of his clients. And so we had this amazing day. And basically Tony just spent the whole day just mentoring me and one other guy. So it was like basically... Like the whole day was pretty much two of us and Tony that, and it was just like, like every question I wanted to ask Tony and just so great. Um, but, and he had taught me this before, but I really got it, the posturing superior, equal, inferior. And we, you know, observed and we did all these exercises and he really got me to, to, to recognize this. I listened to like some sales trainers and they completely come off superior Mm -hmm. where they're telling people and we're taught to be like an authority, an expert, an authority, but if you constantly tell people there and you come in that frame and that tonality all the time, eventually you're kind of like, this guy's a douchebag. This guy's an asshole. Like I'm not, I don't want to listen to this guy. Even though if he's right, it's like your parents talking down to you. You're kind of like, you don't want to listen to them because they're like talking down to you. And so that's superior. Um, then there's equal where you spend most of your time talking to him like a friend, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, I want to hang with this person. I care. And you know, Milton Erickson, the, the hypnotist, he was able to get such great results with people where they changed sometimes just because they liked him so much and he wanted them to change, so he's like, kind of like, will you please yeah. change? Yeah. And they're like, okay, because the rapport is so strong yeah. and sometimes yeah. you'll get a sale just because they like you so much. you know. They feel some authentic connection, so that comes from getting somebody like equal. And then there's inferior, where you build somebody up and you need to be able to do that as well, especially when you're talking to people with an ego. And the more successful people I talk to, like I'm thinking of somebody now who's a very successful guy, sales trainer, um, but he'll never be able to coach people way more successful than him. Where most of my clients, some of them make nine figures. You know, One client is a billionaire. And so they will let me influence them because I meet them inferior and I have admiration and respect. I'm not gonna talk down to them. If I start talking down to a guy that's made all that money and it's like, you know, he's like 60 years old, he's like, he's like, screw you. And one of the things that made me so successful in my field is I found mentors that were willing to help me because I communicated with them in a way where I was respectful. And so what this looks like, the changing postures, I might say something like, um, and my tonality might change, where I'll go a little bit more like harsh or strong. I'll say, look, this has to change, doesn't it? And they're like, yeah. But I say, then so that's superior, talking down to them. And I might go immediately, but, but you know, ultimately, I can't tell you what to do. I mean, you're a grown man, and I, I mean, I got to say, I respect what you've done here. I mean, I admire you. You're somebody I look up to but I think that you're a lot like me, equal. We're the same. And we have a desire to support our families, to travel, to really have a great life. Not just a good life, but a great life. But something has to change, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. So a little superior, a little nudge where I'm giving a command to do this. But I built them up, I edified them, I connected with them as a friend, all in 10 seconds. And so I've had my own sales calls where we record them And transcribe them and I'll change postures hundreds of times. Mm -hmm. When you hear Tony, like he's changing his tonality, goes, he goes goofy, he laughs, he makes you smile, he does some weird stuff with his eyes. You're like connecting, connecting, breaking patterns with humor. He says something gross, interrupting patterns, creating more leverage. And so I've had fun with with the communication. So there's, like and you've talked about this, there's results goals and process goals. Mm -hmm. And so the result is, of course, even in a sales context, I want them to buy. But the process, like I'm enjoying, I'm falling in love with the process. I love talking to this and person. And
1: a big part of that comes back to what you said about yeah. the awareness. Yeah. Paying attention, because when you're communicating with someone, a lot of people don't have that awareness and they communicate in a way where it's just you're not getting through to that person. Yeah. And you always have to be flexible, you always have to be able to change your approach. Behavioral flexibility. Yeah. So, you know, you're able to modulate yourself, mm-hmm. how you're communicating from those three different levels. And also you're, you're just constantly paying attention to their how they're responding how they're reacting how that's coming across and if it's not working you're able to change your approach yeah. right so it comes down to just that awareness which I think yeah. a lot of people don't have you know in sales calls they just keep doing the same thing but it's not working yeah. you know like they try to sell oftentimes or influence based on what they believe. Mm-hmm. is the best way to influence, but everyone yeah. has their own strategy, and you got to yeah. find out what their strategy is, what their needs are, and be able to relate that to what their goals are, their needs, their values, or whatever that is, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. And it's, you know, it's under being aware, two People have their own uh, action threshold and their own mental movie, mm-hmm. and so, like, people are thinking, you know, the pain-pleasure thing. I'm very possibility-driven. Uh, like, I watch... Like any webinar on Facebook or anything like that, I'm like the easiest sell ever. Yeah. People talk about making money and stuff like that. Immediately, as soon as like people talk about making money or crypto, my mind immediately goes to like buying yachts and cars. I'm like, I'm thinking possibility. Like, oh my God, this is gonna be the best thing. But some other people are thinking worst case scenario. Well, I'll lose money, or what will other people think? And so, how do we pace their reality based on the the feedback they're giving us, and then create a new mental picture to picture and imagine, you know, these things or telling stories where you can catch their mental movie and say, here's what I want you to think about, you know, or imagine what this would be like. And you know, you want to lower their pain threshold and increase their action threshold. And there's a lot of different ways you can do that. Um, Embedded commands, you know, getting people to think about things and um, value proposition. You know, what are other people doing in your industry where they're kind of comparing, comparing themselves a bit. Mm -hmm. So you want to be able to, uh, we talk about beliefs. So the results that we have, come from behavior, from thoughts, from decisions, from, you know, actions from, mm-hmm. but ultimately the belief system is what's driving, driving the boat. So they have certain beliefs and there's empowering beliefs and disempowering beliefs. And so we want to reinforce the ones that are empowering them to take action and deconstruct some of the ones that, um, are stopping them. Yeah. And so a belief, you know, as we say, it's a feeling of certainty and what supports the belief, it's kind of like a tabletop. That example, and the belief is the tabletop. And the references, experiences people have had, references from their life, have supported that. Like somebody can have a belief that they're smart. Like, how do you know? Well, somebody told me. That's a reference. Yeah. So we can strengthen the things that are going to move them and also weaken, taking away their, their beliefs about things that, you know, somebody, somebody says, well, somebody could say they're smart. Um, and I could say, how do you know? So I start to, if I question gotcha. anything enough, and I say, well, somebody said so. Has anybody ever lied to you before? Like, yeah, yeah, you know, so there's, I can take away their certainty, um, systematically about what they're doing and I can create that or you can create that. And people need to feel a little bit of uncertainty about their process. And as we were saying at lunch, what stops people from getting to that next level of success or income or anything in their life to that next level, it's these three, these three main areas. It's, it's one, it's their worldview they feel like what's stopping them is the market or the economy or I don't have time or I have too many responsibilities. It's something out there is stopping them from ascending in life. Or it's their self-view. I'm not confident. I'm not smart. I'm not pretty. I don't have the reason. You know, something with me um, inside myself that something's wrong with me. So their self-view, their worldview, or lastly, their vehicle. It's the thing that's going to take them there. You know, like a vehicle takes you to a place. They think it's their script. They think it's their company. They think it's their job. They think it's their boyfriend. It's like, it's the thing. And they discount their self-view, you know? And that's why we say 80% of success is psychology, 20% mechanics. The vehicle is the mechanics, your job, whatever. But there are people that run races without legs. Yeah. You know, they, they have like a pretty crappy vehicle, Delta yeah. pretty, you know, but their self-view is awesome. The worldview is like the world is conspiring to help me despite this. This is making me stronger. So everything is supporting them and they have a, you know, a not the best vehicle but they're still climbing mountains and doing a lot more than a lot of people.
1: Yeah, and that, that's yeah. why I see why a lot of people struggle. I mean, yeah. when, when it comes to losing weight, to be able to build yeah, a yeah, yeah. business, to be able to make money, to be able uh, to successfully sell and, you know, clothes, you know, the strategies are the same. The mechanics yeah. are easy to find, but it's the mindset, the psychology, because as you said, you know, you're the top salesperson from Tony, you're in the same city with 10 other people, all same prospects, same vehicle that you're promoting or selling Mm -hmm. but why is it that you would get so many so much better results more sales more influence and same thing that I see with people that want to build an online business or change an aspect of their life they can go through the same program the same vehicle Mm -hmm. or even oftentimes sell the same product you know I you know I see people on Amazon or whatever it is they could be selling an identical product identical vehicle identical service Mm -hmm. but the difference what it comes down to is that person's mindset no. So what do you see as, you know, you've already been talking a lot about that psychology, but what would you say is some of the differences between someone like yourself or others that succeed, that can influence, that can make a difference mm-hmm. versus those that have the same vehicle, but yet they struggle?
2: Well, I think part of it's the vision. Yeah. You know, and so and also my outcome. My outcome, like for me, uh, I went to Tony's event, UPW, when I initially went, I was in a really bad place emotionally and it was like, I think the first time I smiled in like a year, you know, it was like, I laughed out loud and I was like fun and I just felt, I was like vibrating. I felt like I was on drugs or something. I was like, you know and when I got the job there, I didn't want to just like sell people tickets. I didn't want just a commission. Yeah, of course I wanted money. Of course I wanted to be successful, but I was like, I'm going to change the entire world by exposing people to this guy. Like you, and so I was like, I, everybody, I met everybody, like a friend and I was like, you got to do this. Yeah. Like, you know, you the certainty. it wasn't like, you know, you got to do this so that I can get paid because I'm about my sales numbers. I was like, no, no, you don't, this will change everything for you. Yeah. And I was trying to change the world by making, so motive does matter. And I said, when you talk about yourself or your family or community, my vision, I felt like, and I feel like all of us have the power to, to be, you know, make a real change in the world. And I didn't want it to just be talk for me. Tony was like, he was like, I'm going to do this. And Tony, you know, background coming from nothing and affecting so many people. Cause you know, I, I was an actor and I felt like, you know, getting my needs met. We often, we all want to feel love, but we often think, and this is a lot of actors, ones I've even worked with. We think that the way to get love is to be significant like once I'm famous or once I have money, then I'll be worthy of love when we all just want love. And so it's, you know, we're taking, and then, then we get there and then it's like, it, we get like a weird love. We get all the money and then people love us for the wrong reasons. And then it's like even more lonely and we isolate ourselves. So I, I really just figured out there was a lot of things off of me. And after that event, I was just like on fire and I wanted to share that experience with other people. And so I met people. I authentically talked to them like a friend and I was, I was strong enough to say, Hey, You know, this isn't working. Like I'll be firm with you, not firm with you to you, but I'm going to be firm for you. I'm going to be like a strong bridge for you to cross because you, you don't, you don't have the way. Like I have a vehicle here and I'd stay with that tonality with that absolute certainty. And so I was clear about where I could take somebody. And so people that are successful, like, as we talked about, like even a good therapist, they know where they want to take their client. And so I, I knew where I wanted to take people in the room. And, you know, it's interesting. People ask me about public speaking. I've done so many talks. People are like, are you ever nervous? You know, and, and I remember talking to Tony about this, like his focus and, you know, his internal state. It's like, you know, for me, when I do a talk, I could talk to 10 people or 1,000 people. They, they don't know what I'm... I'm the one talking. I'm going to ask them questions. I'm going to control what they focus on. I'm going to control their feelings. I'm going to control the room because I prepared. And my beliefs, like when two people meet, as you know, the person with more certainty will influence the other person and so I know that when I speak, I'm the most certain person in the room because I'm the only one that knows what's going to be talked about. Yeah. I'm in control here. Everyone else is uncertain. Yeah, yeah. and I'll make them uncertain if I want to. Yeah. I control this. And so also, though, I've prepared. Mm-hmm. And when two, knowing that when two people meet, the, most, the person that's most certain will influence the other person. You know, I would do these sales presentations, and people came there. They were certain that I was going to sell them something and I was. They were, they were certain that this was going to be a sales pitch. They were certain that it was going to suck. They were certain that they weren't going to like me. And so they came there with the expectation and the belief system based on their past references, other people selling shit to them, other people giving them a sales pitch. But my certainty had to be stronger than that. So my own belief system, I have a belief that while these people might not want to hear what I have to say, they need to hear what I have to say. And I think of all the benefits of me being there for me, but also I have a hundred times more for them. Like I believe that this, everything I say to them is even if they all bought and gave me all their money, what I have to give is way more valuable than all their money. Mm -hmm. Like I could change your whole life here. I've got that vehicle that can save you 10 years of your life. And so what I have, I have a belief and my certainty overcomes their doubt. And I think about all the benefits. I have a belief that I'm funny. Mm -hmm. I have a belief that people like me Mm -hmm. and I've gone to events where people did not like me, did not think I was funny, did not want to be there, but eventually... My certainty right. overcame their doubt and they started laughing. They started connecting with me. They started, you know, they didn't want to be there. And then they are like, man, this guy just, well, there's like this guy, real deal. They're like, you can't script this shit. You know, and they're like, this guy's state influenced me. You know, and that's why you can call your best friend or something like that. And you're like bummed out and you're just like, you're affected. And I came there, you know, and I have this belief that there are no strangers. There's only friends I haven't met yet. And so like these people, like we're going to be friends. We're going to laugh together. And I know that because I'm in control, I'm going to tell jokes and if they don't laugh at my jokes, I th- I'm going to think it's funny that they didn't laugh at my jokes. Yeah. And I'm going to laugh at myself. I'm going to have fun. Yeah. And I know that. And so I've created that. I'm controlling it. And no matter what the feedback is, you know, I'm still going to be in that state because my triad is so strong. And as you know, an emotional state is based upon patterns of language and meaning, mm-hmm. uh, a pattern of physiology and also focus. And so they have a triad and I have a triad. And my triad around certainty, they have a triad around certainty. And so let's say that you're a salesperson and you are on the phone trying to sell a high ticket service. That's my specialty now. I'm helping people with phone sales and things like that. And so somebody says something like, I got to think about it or no. So it's stimulus response. So as you know, it's like we all have some response to the stimulus, some, uh, some conditioned response, positive or negative. And so somebody could throw, they could say, I like you. I hate you, screw you, no. So it doesn't matter, it's just a word to me. But some people, when they get that stimulus, their pattern of meaning, they make it mean something bad about themselves, they focus, they ask them a question, they focus on all the times that they didn't get the sale, or they focus on how they're not gonna eat, um, or or they might have a good rebuttal. So they might say the perfect linguistic thing back, but that stress of that no has created some tension. Now they're angry, or they're frustrated, and that's created a a tightness in their, their throat, in their physiology, and that's changed the quality of their voice. We're like, you know, don't, you don't, what do you mean you don't want to, or like some, some kind of weird tension comes in their voice, and that's what they're picking up, because communication is a small percentage words, physiology. So that's a physiological response. So now, when this person says no, is it affected the salesperson's physiology, where they have a shift, even a slight microtension in their throat that affects their tonal quality, that sends a message to this person's nervous system that makes them shut down even more. And so now they're not leading anymore. Yeah. And, you know, Tony tells this really great example I think of a lot, playing a video game against the child. Yeah. You know, when you play against the child, it's, you know, they shoot for 45 minutes. You get your turn. 30 seconds later, you're dead. Is the child smarter? You know, no. They've played that game before. Yeah. They know the bad guy's here. They know the bad guy's there. And so I've done the prep. I know they're going to have to think about it. I know they're going to say no. So I already know my responses and I know how, and I've breathed life into that and I'm cool with it. I'm unattached. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I think, you know, a, a big part for me, what helps me with that is my rituals. Yeah. yeah. Rituals that I have in the morning to yep. prepare for the day, to be at the best that I can be, the best possible state. Mm-hmm. So that I, you know, the best of me is showing up so that whatever projects or whatever I'm working on, whoever I'm meeting that day, I can, you know, have that certainty, I can be yeah. in that right state. But also, you know, before creating videos or speaking, coaching, so I'd love to hear what are a few things you do, rituals that you have? You kind of already mentioned no. a little bit, but what are some rituals that you have maybe in the morning, or I'd love to hear before you go up to speak, no. to create that certainty, to, to, to condition those beliefs, that mindset, so that when you're, when you're in that environment, you're no. the one that has that control and can influence.
2: You know, it's like I'm always aware of my own triad. Mm. You know, I... I have questions I ask myself that make me feel like I'm supposed to be there. Uh, I I think of all the value that's what's in it for them, yeah. so that increases my certainty of why I'm there. I feel like nobody shows up my life on, on accident. Like I'm here for a reason. It's bigger than me. Um, I'm here to learn something. So I'm I'm getting myself in a state where I'm actually excited to be there. And again, you know, sometimes you're tired and it doesn't yes. feel that good. Yeah. Um, so I have to work so on those that. Are
1: questions that. that you're asking yourself. Oftentimes. Yeah, I think Is who are these people? Those-
2: you know, and so I'm not just talking to prospects. I'm talking to a human being. Yeah. These people have kids. They're leaders. They've, they've had their heart broken. So I'm getting myself associated. And then when I do talk to somebody, they immediately feel like they're like, do I know you? It's like, I feel like I know you because I've done the work. I'm, I'm associated to them. And if I'm selling somebody, um, like I had a sales call this morning, I went to the person's Facebook profile. And I just, I saw them with their kids and stuff. I'm like, man, I just, I want to feel like some empathy for this human being. And I start thinking, I'm like, man, this person could really use my help. You know, it's like they, not, they don't, they don't, nobody needs more courses. Nobody needs more products. People need results. Mm-hmm. You know, I, like I can help this person with a result. People don't want 12 coaching sessions, they want a result. They think the coaching will get them a result. So I, I'm like, think of the result that I can authentically provide for this human being, and I'm associated to that. And so the first three things that I always focus on in my routine is one is my belief system. And so just like going to the, the gym, conditioning your body. So I never take it, the, the training never stops. So every day I work on my beliefs of why I'm there and I remind myself of who I'm supposed to be for these people. I gotta be strong for these. So my certainty is so strong and that's why I'm you know, so effective in front of the room because I know that I'm the most certain person there. Nobody's, nobody's done the training like I have, the thousands of hours of like in this one context. I mean, if I was on, you know, if somebody was teaching me basketball, I'm not an expert there, but in this, in this context, I'm, I'm an expert, so I'm certain. You know, and, in, and my psychology is so strong that even if somebody is more skilled than me, but I'm the one on the stage, I'm the one that's controlling it. But even if somebody was way better than me or challenged me somehow, I would I would learn something. So I'd be there'd be an excitement to it. You know, but I also believe that I can always provide value in some way, that it's meant to be. So my certainty is there. Second thing I always focus on is I have a clear outcome and not again, not just what I want somebody to do, but I'm clear in the thoughts I want them to think and the feelings I want them to feel. And so even with this interview for the, for the interview, the person watching here, I want the people to be curious. And one of my little agendas, I'm hoping somebody might check out my thing or maybe want to know more, you know, because if they do know more, Mm -hmm. they could really master an area of their life that can make them more successful in everything they do because everything that will come into their life will come through a conversation Mm -hmm. and to master not only in the sales context, but at the grocery store to get the table, you know, to really understand their own internal psychology. This changes everything. And so I want them to be curious about that. Like, what would that look like? And I want their imagination to go wild. So I thought of that, you know? And so that clear outcome, like I don't worry about specifically what I'm going to say, but I know the actions, the thoughts, the feelings I want people to have. And so that outcome shapes my... It's
1: like it guides you. Yeah.
2: yeah. To know where I'm going. Yeah. You know, it's like, a, it's like a plane taking off from Vancouver to Los Angeles mm-hmm. off track, Turbulence wins, you know, so I might be hit that outcome. Yeah, yeah, you know do whatever but I'm confident because I know you know my, my internal GPS I know where I'm going and so that allows me behavioral flexibility allows me not to sound scripted or weird because I'm not You know, but I know know the outcome and so I'm always clear and I can have fun getting there I can get there in a different way and that's art and so I'm clear in that and then the third thing I'm always aware of um, is my physiology mm-hmm. and so physiology is so strong and so when I work out, you know, and I, I touch I touched on this, it's very important to not just give attention, but intention. So somebody might read a book, and they're reading the book because somebody told them to read the book, or they heard it was a good book. Their attention is on the book. To, they want to cross off the list, you know, so they want to get through it quickly. But my intention is to find some usable skill. And so I'm like a heat-sicking missile. I have an intention you know, in this. So I'm setting an intention to everything. I'm being intentional with my language. And most people just aren't that intentional. They pay attention but not intention. So I've set a certain attention and going back to the workout with my physiology, some people work out because their outcome is to look good. They seek approval. They want to be healthy so they can live a long time. Uh, some people work out because people think that it's good to work out or it makes them feel good. My intention when I work out, like I work on my core or I think about how I move especially in front of a room or even when I'm on a sales call, um, I think of this, and this is one of my, uh, another mentor, a guy named Garrett J. White, the wake-up warrior guy. Uh, He works out with the intention to like weaponize his body, to be like so strong, like strong core, like, you know, to feel like so strong. To feel like dangerous in your body, you know, to feel like like a like a physical threat, and I just like when you work out in that way where I'm not doing it to look good or to increase my energy, but to feel like like a badass in my own body. Yeah. And it's like when you work on your core and you you do some agoscu stuff or something like that, your structural alignment is strong, where you're not like leaning on one hip because physiology mm-hmm. affects your emotions, mm-hmm. you know, your emotional state, and confidence doesn't waver. There's a congruency mm-hmm. in the physiology where you're strong, and I know that if I'm weak, or I've got pain in certain areas, and if I'm not locking that in, I won't be as effective, so my physiology's got to be there, so belief structure, outcome, and physiology, and physiology with an intent, and so I want to be energetic, I want to be, so I want to be able to penetrate these people with my presence, and if I'm shut down, or even hopped up on too much caffeine, I can't do it at that level, or if I've eaten a crappy meal, you know, and so I'm intentional in my physiology so that that includes what i eat before my hydration level um morning routines yeah. and you mentioned yeah. morning routines i've not been that as intentional as i'd like to be i'm doing more i'm doing a lot of breathing work now which is really nice but i you know i watched your hour video on youtube like three or four times now yeah. watching your morning routine and i've conditioned some affirmations i got my rebounder now yeah. um and that really helps me with my my core i f- find as well um so just doing things in the morning but i I wake up and just like you, I have a checklist now. I smile, yeah. uh, water with apple cider vinegar, and supplements. Yeah. Got that from yeah. you. Uh, greens, you know, yeah. so I have that in the morning, um, and then I'll do some breathing and some meditation a bit, mm-hmm. and then I take the the Qualia supplements. Have you okay. Have you taken no. that? It's a nootropic, really good stuff. Though, and I met a lot of entrepreneurs um, that have taken that, and I've experimented with everything. Microdosing uh, psilocybin, LSD, um, pretty intense stuff there, which is a little more intense than, than I wanted. So I, I've just been taking this quality and I find that that's been the best, um, thing. So that's, that's a really good supplement. I I recommend it. So I take that in the morning and then 30 minutes later you take the other aspect of it. So it's like two different bottles. Um, that, and then, uh, yeah, I read through some goals, um, and the, the system, Is, you know, I'm clear of the things that I want to produce that day. I write down some goals, you know, my vision, but I'm really aware and I dial in the habits, you know, and so there's most people, self-development as a whole, when you relate it to that phrase, be, do, have, you know, there's the things I want to have in order for me to have these things, what I have to do In order for me to do these things, who do I have to be? Mm -hmm. So my identity, my character, my values and self-development as a whole is very big on the having, which is goal setting. And it's very big on the being, which is your identity but it's pretty light on the doing the actual doing stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I have a list of character traits, habits, rituals, could be your morning routine, things that I had to do that day, and I rate myself on a scale of 1 to 10 at the end of the day, how well did I fulfill that habit. Yeah. So there's nutrition, and you can't just put a check on nutrition. There's like scale of 1 to 10. Yeah. You know, and getting clear on the standards. What is a 10? And a 10 for me might be different than somebody that's 300 pounds and hasn't worked out. Just them cutting pizza or, you know, or processed food out of their life, maybe that's a 10 for them. That's their standard. But for me, so I'm clear of the standard. I know what a zero is. I know what a five is. I know what a 10 is. And so I rate myself in this area that's important to me. And usually it, it revolves around some body stuff, um, some inner work, some communication stuff, some character stuff, some business stuff, um, and what I'm learning and what I'm creating. And I'm posting on Facebook a lot which is basically how I distribute content to the market. For you, it's YouTube or some Facebook. So how do I discover and declare? Mm-hmm. So those are two things that I, I learned from Garrett White. Um, basically a process, a seven day a week process of discovering something new, could be studying something for 15 minutes in the morning, and then taking what I learn and immediately teaching it to somebody or putting it in or applying it to something. How do I use this? So constantly learning and then talking about what I'm learning. And that makes me more relevant in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. So that's, so my learning also becomes my marketing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on relevant information right. that's in my niche. Mm-hmm. And so that process of being relevant um, in the marketplace is huge as a marketer and wanting to be known for something. So you're constantly adding value in a context where people start to position you as an expert and when you do that consistently in video, celebrity authority, mm-hmm. you know, doing it, giving people new stuff, adding value, 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 and then those people end up buying your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So,
1: I love that just about preparation. Yeah. know that I can obviously tell that you put a lot into the prep and you're so intentional behind what you're doing, where yeah. most people I feel they're just kind of aimless throughout the day and they're so reactive, yeah. they're not proactive, where everything Which, you're talking that, about is being proactive, yeah. knowing your outcome, knowing your intent, showing up the I, best way that you can for
2: it. Napoleon Hill called it definiteness of purpose. Yeah. He said, it's like, and if you read uh, Outwitting the Devil, mm-hmm. that he refers back to it, he says, if there's one thing, you know, it's definiteness of purpose. Most people aren't definite in everything. And it says to be definite in everything. And it's like, he says, what's most important? Is it love? Is it money? Is says no definiteness? Like if you could, you could burn everything in your life and if you are just definite and also because most people aren't, they'll see there's an energy to a person that has clear direction in their life for the conversation. It creates a vacuum where people are pulled to people of certainty, of definiteness and people will, like a vacuum, they'll pull into you. And so when I was speaking in front of a room, I always had to have this clear clear direction for not only that conversation, but for my life and it had to be bigger than the moment and people, it's like a vacuum because people feel drawn to people that have a big, big vision. That's real. Not just talking about, I want to save the whales and I want to do this thing and they just talk. But when you really have a plan, like you're building, you're taking the money that you have and you're like building a school and you're doing things. And so people feel that and that, believe it or not, it changes the vibration of your communication, studying spiral dynamics, your level of consciousness, And people gravitate towards people of higher levels of consciousness, you know? And so that's why like mother Teresa, a little old lady with no means, no money, no, no nothing became, I mean, we all know her name. She had no resources, but she was such a powerhouse because she was very conscious and she, I mean, she could have gotten, she could ask somebody for a million dollars and they'd be like, yeah, you know, or to support a thing, you know, because, because of her intent. Um, and it was really there in the right way outside of herself. Mm, So
1: awesome. Well, let's wrap this up. This has been awesome, I mean, I could talk to you forever. Yeah. yeah, We. how, How can people find out more about you, what you're up to?
2: Um, I, you know, it's interesting. I, my brand is wild influence W I L D E. And my real last name is Will Hyde. I always let people know. Um, but you know, that then the linguistics of that, Eli Will Hide. Like I'm hiding and I've kind of been behind Tony's shadow for a while. Big shoes to fill. I lived with Tony Slun for a while, and I just I decided to create my own brand. I you know, I love the, the writer Oscar Wilde. Mm-hmm. And it's just dropping the H in the I of my last name. So like a lot of my testimonials are saying Will Hide, but my my and that's my real last name, but it's wild influence. And I really want people to be like wild and expressive with their ability to influence. And some of that comes from being out here and getting outside of ourselves. And it's one of the best lessons Tony ever taught me. He says, you could be so much more powerful if you weren't so focused on yourself. And he said there's nothing wrong with focusing on yourself, but it shrinks you where when you're really out here, like Steve Jobs says, you're already naked. You know, you might as well just go for it to so the sense of being wild and influential with ourselves, you know, ourself, one-to-one, one-to-many, to really understand influence. So there's like a free cheat sheet or something on there. Um, but a lot of people find me just on Facebook um, as well now that I think of it. Um, but yeah, there... And um, and yeah, I can shoot you like a link or something like that.
1: Yeah, awesome. Yeah. So what I'll do, I've got the sun in my eyes here, but what I'll do, I'll put a link uh, to your website below oh. this video. So if you guys want to check out Eli, highly recommend that you do. Uh, you made a big difference in my life and I appreciate Thanks, you know what you've shared with me. So awesome. um, you know if you guys want to learn more about how to influence, he's your guy to go to. Uh, check out his website, check out his content. And uh, make sure if you like this video, hit the thumbs up button, leave a comment below. Subscribe for more videos, and we'll talk to you again soon. Take care. Awesome. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining me today and listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or received any value, then I'd love for you to leave an honest review on iTunes and subscribe to the Project Life Mastery podcast for future episodes. And of course, to receive more content and value, make sure to find and follow me at www.projectlifemastery.com for more. Thanks again. Remember to always believe and commit your life to mastery. I look forward to talking to you again soon.
0: Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com Wondersuite. That's bluehost.com Wondersuite.
1: When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons.